1: plot to the air, they drug the water supply. Nothing wrong with them, a little hard work, no cure. I say that these commies are everywhere they need to get back. Uh, hello, gang.
0: Hello, <laughs> gang. George's, my little station editorial there, just before we <laughs> bring it up. Don't sneak it out there. Just keep it behind me, there. there Thank you. The following program has many unsavory elements, and it is certainly not rated GP. So if you have someone out there who's on the verge, I suggest you send them out to the next room to turn on the radio where they can hear on the next station down the line some nice, safe music. Uh, this is going to be a bad news. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse- oh, we'd like to, before we get out of way here, we'd like to salute the stripper in London. I just see here a United Press uh, release. A stripper in London is suing her uh, plastic surgeon. He did some uh, work on her, uh, let's say, on her superstructure. And she's suing him because she says that uh, he has cost her money. And she has lost financially because he made a terrible mistake. He made him two different sizes which has caused her to lose a lot of booking. <laughs> Seems to me that would be kind of a big thing to sell, you know? I mean, what the hell? right, let's go, Dan! All <laughs> it. all it. This is a very serious radio station. We've got to be... We've got to be... uh, got to keep the uh, thing going. Oh, by the way, b- uh, before we get started here tonight, since it's in you know, a Saturday night, got a letter from a note... From a note writer type here, and he says, uh, Shepard, He says, everybody. He says, you got to get with it, Shepherd. He says, you got to get in this in the scene here. He says, everybody's got to dial a thing now. You know, you can get a dial of prayer. You can get a dial of concept. You can, you know, you can uh, you can dial a poem now here in New York. Oh, and you dial some bad ones. Oh, I dialed a poem one night, and I'll tell you, I heard a clinker that would have made Edgar Guest embarrassed. But what are you going to do? You know, you're getting it for a lousy ten cent uh, phone call course, uh, I just wonder what happens when some poor son of a gun, you know, is trying to use Ma Bell's mystic uh, mystic movie machine here on one of the streets, you know, and he throws his dime in, and like he often do in this town, gets the wrong number, and there he is out there in the dark. It's three o'clock in the morning, and all of a sudden, instead of getting his friend Jaime, he gets Dial of Prayer. And uh, <laughs> the voice says, and thou is now in dire danger. Thou must watch. Bring it on there, big, big. And so our friend out there, our concept creator, says, so Shepard, it is time now for you to enter the list with your own service. Dial the salute. There's too many people don't get credit for what they do in this world, right? You agree? And too many people get too much credit for what they do in this world. I mean, yeah, yeah oh, I'll tell you, you can hardly pick up a paper without reading about how great Joe Namath is or something like that. Oh, yeah, he just throws a football around. That's, that's, us, that's play. That's child's play that hardly anybody gets credit for the real stuff. And so tonight, as part of our vast Dial a Salute service, we bring you tonight's salute for the most exciting moment spent by anybody in the past uh, 24 hours. Uh, one, by the way, I think salute should come when people do something that is totally out of their ordinary realm of doing stuff. You shouldn't give uh, Joe Namath credit for throwing a you know for throwing a passer or uh, Mel Stottlemyre for throwing a baseball for crying out loud. This is his thing, you know. I shouldn't get credit for doing a radio. I, I do radio shows, you know. Now what would be fantastic, of course, is if they came along and asked, say, uh, Fran Tarkenton to pitch against the Oakland A's next week. Now, that would be a moment of bravery. You see what I'm saying. Well, let's say they call out Johnny Bench to uh, fight a preliminary round with, say, uh, Muhammad Ali. That would be bravery. On the other hand, let Muhammad Ali bat cleanup one day for the New York Yankees against Vita Blue. That, too, would be bravery. In other words, bravery consists of doing that which lies out of the ordinary realm. And so tonight, we would like to salute. As part of our vast public service programming on this deeply concerned radio station, we bring you tonight our Dial of Salute, saluting a special citizen who has done a specially brave event in the past 24 hours.
1: Play that thing, play that
0: thing. Come on, here, man. Come on, come on. I've got him out here. Here, here. For those of you who are still under the mistaken impression that that is the William Tell Overture, you, you're all wet. That is the Ham and High Fight Song. And, uh,. And I know the lyrics to it, and for those of you who are over twenty-one and can prove that you are a qualified music student, I will be glad to send you the lyrics to the Hammond High Fight song, which you can sing along with it. You have to be over twenty-one, however. It will be mailed to you in a plain brown seal wrapper so that even your friends will not get the wrong idea and think you can read something like that, which, you know, could really cause you bad news today. Oh, we would like to make a salute today, right? Time for a salute. All set now. We would like to salute. <laughs> Right, the John Cameron Swayze Award goes to Ann Lewin, 75. Hello, you want to hear what she did? Ann Lewin, 75. Now, you wouldn't think an old doll would be ready to get saluted at this time in life, but listen to what Ann did. Ann Lewin, and this is from Miami, Florida, went up with the Flagler Street drawbridge yesterday.
1: I just clung to the railing while the bridge went higher and higher. I just hold on there. And all of a sudden, I found myself 300 feet in the air. I just hold on. <laughs> I finally and I, I just slid off down the street, 300 feet.
0: Miss Lewin, who was caught on a bridge while walking to town, did not suffer any, a few cuts and bruises in her giant tumble. She was admitted to the hospital for observation immediately immediate release. And now she has one hell of a story to tell them at the bridge games and over that bridge mix. Tonight we salute Ann Lewin, 75, who said it for all of us. It sounds like she's talking about life itself. I just clung to the roof. and while the bridge went higher and higher, all of no, a sudden i 300 feet up the air. Doesn't that sound like your life, friends? And so, a part of our, our vast dial-a salute operation here, we salute Anne Lewin. Now, that's what, <laughs> no can you can you imagine the moment? Think about it here now. You sit out there and you laugh. I can't imagine, when you're walking across the bridge, and all of a sudden, up she starts going. You know, that, that bell goes boing, 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 boing. You start running like hell, and you know you ain't going to make it. That bridge is going up and up and up and high and higher. and you're hanging on there. And all of a sudden, you're just pointing out of the railing. and you see nothing but water down below you, 4,000 feet below. All them cars are honking in the truck, and, and here you are, stuck on the bridge. Whoa. And we all have secret. Uh fears, you know. Uh, let's face it. We do. We have f- secret fears, and one of them is one day something's like that going to happen to you, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, do you have the secret fear every time you get in an elevator with these automatic ones? That <laughs> you know, There's two of them that run along with that, see. One, that you're in the automatic elevator seat, and it's made out of chromium and stainless steel inside the seat, you get in this elevator, and it's got all the little lights going off and on, and... uh and, uh, do you like to operate it? You know, so you get the sense of, like, you know, you're, you're operating this machine. So you're, 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 you know, 707 pilot and you're operating thing 719. You press all the buttons, you know, and there's one that says emergency. You know, you don't know what that one does. Does that deploy a parachute or what? You know, I mean, if all of a sudden, boing, <laughs> you hear this boing. <laughs> that is the sound of an unreading cable. <laughs> you're dropping 87 floors what do you do press the uh, button you try to press the one you know says third floor you want to grab that one you go past or do you press the emergency button what happens well you've had this fear in your gut haven't you you mean you haven't no i'll tell you only people with imagination have fears so that lets you out so it's okay don't 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 feel embarrassed if you haven't had any of these fears i mean the turtle doesn't fear anything like that either You put a camel in an elevator, he doesn't get scared, he didn't know, you know, he didn't know. you got to have imagination. Then there's another one, too. Another secret fear is that the thing will close, he, boom, and he can't get it open. And you're hung up. It's the opposite of the dropping fear. That between the 87th floor and the 86th floor, something clicked in the machinery, and there it is. There you are. And what's worse, all alone, nobody there except you and your out-of-balance checkbook. And that ain't going to help. And you're wearing your Robert Hall hang-up-and-dry suit, and you start to sweat like hell, you know, and it's running down between your shoulder blades, and you press the emergency button. Nothing. You know, that's just a gag, that emergency button. You know, have you ever pressed one of them in an elevator? Either of you? What did it do? Nothing. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's just to make you feel good. That doesn't do anything. That's just like that that button on the side of the phone, you know, that says uh, press to return the coins. Have you ever had a coin come back? One? Oh, forget it. Listen, uh, I'll tell you. It's so, so, These are secret fears. And this whole gal, you know, going up the side of that bridge there. Oh, I can just feel, you know. There's all kinds of secret fears that we've got. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, it's like going through the whole day. You know, you go through a whole day, a busy day, you know, you ride them down the IIT, and you can ride them down the elevators, and you go in and out of the central pool, and you go like uh, nine hours sweating away there, you know, a whole day, and all of a sudden, at the end of the day, somebody leans over and says, Hey, Fred, you say, yeah, your fly's open. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all, right. all right, and of course, you know what this does to people, it is it isn't that it amuses them they think you're beginning to lose it I mean what's the first thing that happens when your head begins to get soft well you dribble your beer over your chin you've seen old bum. you know you, just, you, all this, you don't worry about buttons come on you just you, you, you don't worry I everything mean, you know that's <laughs> and I, said, oh, I remember when Fred used to really used to really take care of himself He used to be, you know, I don't know what's happened to him lately. Did you notice the other day? He had that that ball of ice cream on his tie. Got himself a double double disc ice cream, dropped it on the tie. He didn't even know it. What about that button thing? And what about the stripper with two sizes? Can you imagine her coming home from the hospital? And she's all pleased, see. And she sees her agent. She says, how do I look? brief moment. It's where you're lopsided. Secret fears deep down inside of us. But by the way, speaking of secret fears, listen to this one. Rochester, New York. Albert Fess. We'll have to give him a salute because we all have this secret fear too. Let us salute Albert Fess. Albert Fess of Rochester, New York was swallowed by his front lawn. Bring
1: it
0: up. Bring it up. <laughs> hey, watch that thing. You're, you're, you're taking a fess, and you're not worrying about the thing there that you're running. <laughs> Albert Fess was swallowed by his front lawn. That's right, front lawn. Well, we all have a secret fear that one day they're going to pull the carpet out from under us, right? And it happened to Fess. Fess said he noticed a soft spot developing in the lawn yesterday. In Rochester, he walked out to investigate it, and suddenly, wham! Eight feet underground. <laughs> and there he was, eight feet underground in his lawn trapped, and he started to holler, "Help! Help!" Nobody paid any attention because, you know, in Rochester, you often hear lawn power for help. All right. part of the secret fear syndrome no we all. you know one of the reasons why people are afraid of uh, are really afraid of uh, of earthquakes it's not because an earthquake is you know there's a lot of things that are actually more destructive than an earthquake I mean let's face it you know you get the fantastic tornado it blows the whole town away but an earthquake really rocks you excuse the expression but it does because there's one thing that you always secretly believe is always going to be able to be counted on. The ground under your feet. You don't even think about it. You think, that's one thing. I'm walking around the street, I'm on the ground. <laughs> now, you never even think about it that way, do you? you, just, you, you it's, it's, it's an unspoken belief. You, in fact, they even use it in the old cliches, like, boy, there's old Charlie's got both feet on the ground. I mean, he's safe, He's solid. And all of a sudden, you feel the ground rocking beneath your feet. The ground is rocking—sand. It's not like the, you know, like the buildings falling out. It's just sand rocking. What do you do? Where do you go? Secret fears. Now you're sitting out there. See, that's why. That's why people are always bugged when something doesn't act the way it should act. Let's take that radio. You're sitting there listening to the radio, I presume. Right? And the radio is a definite it is very definitely a domestic appliance. It's domesticated. Domesticated meaning tame. You can predict it. There will not be one week go by in New York radio, but what Betty Friedan is not interviewed. It's predictable. 17 rock groups will be interviewed. Predictable, right? There's always a priest who's in favor of uh, marijuana smoking. He will be interviewed. Then there's a priest who just uh, married a stripper. He will be interviewed. He's just written a book, of course. There's a big outfit out in Jersey that writes all them books for these people. They just fill in the blanks you know, with the names. <laughs> it's all, all the same. There will be seven guys from a peace movement who will be interviewed. Correct? There will be four heads of ad hoc committees interviewed. Right? Now, what would you do if a uh, an accordion player from a Polish polka band in Passaic was interviewed? Well, this would be Uh, 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 totally undomestic (laughs) I mean that would it would be way out of what you're ordinarily you would write angry letters correct if not you would certainly turn the dial with an angry yell Ah! you turn the dial why because it is a domestic appliance and the difference between the domestic animal and the non-domestic animal is predictability The non-domestic animal, on the one hand, could be petted, talked to, photographed, reproduced in stereo, until one afternoon, when you turn your back, whap, no foot. (laughs) Did you read about that guy that's been making all these movies about lions? Did you read what happened to his lion? You know, the one that says lions really are just big pussy cats, you know? If you could just get enough Alpo, they'd be happy with Alpo. They wouldn't eat nothing. you, you read that. You know that stuff. You know that's the born free syndrome, right? The Cleveland amory twitch. However, uh, they, they were making this movie the other day, and it just so happened that the lion that they were using to illustrate the thesis ate one of the assistants. <laughs> that's right. Did you read it? And what do you think the guy said when he was interviewed? Not, uh, not one word of, of, of feeling sorry for the assistant. The guy says, I can't understand what Charlie did. To, why he did that. He let the side down. Well, not only that, he picked Charlie Watanabe's bones kind of clean there. But that's of course, a, a, true, a true animal cuckoo never worries what happens to people. that get in the way of animals. Never. Never. Oh, it's always the man's fault. He shouldn't have been there when, when uh, this uh, happy lion was hungry. That was his fault. He was there when it was hungry. That's like blaming. You know, it's. <laughs> oh well, uh, what are you going to do? You know, you, you accept these things—six uh, or one half of those. The other. it's like uh, it's like this guy falling into his lawn. Now I'm sure that crabgrass cuckoos are going to blame him for falling into the lawn. He did something. It's his fault, basically. It's like that, oh, listen, we've uh, secret fears. Uh, w- we all have them. Uh, did you Did you ever, uh, when you were a kid, did you ever uh, have an underground fire in your neighborhood? No? Well, see, it's all, you know, there's, there's hardly anything you can count on, see. I mean, basically, you know, uh, here, I have a note here from the current car driver. Guy writes me a letter in the car, you know, I write for car drivers. driver. See, I'm going to quote his letter. You know, letters to the editorial here. This guy says, uh, he says, saw something the other day I thought Gene Shepard would appreciate. This is a letter writer to car and driver in the current issue. A plastic automobile tire for a child to use as a swing. (laughs) You know, when you used to get old tires and you make a swing, now you can buy a brand new, and I'm sure that it's being sold to the parents on the the basis that it's uh, sanitary and comes in different colors, see, it says, "Shepard, I know you would appreciate this—a plastic automobile tire for a child to use as a swing." Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you know that at Abercrombie and Fitch, you can get a—you uh, can get a uh, roller skate orange crate scooter kit. Well, you know, yes, you can. So it There's little lines where you hook it up. You know, it's got pre-drilled holes and all that stuff. It's got nicely stencils on the outside, orange crate. Stencil honey <laughs> Well, so uh, so, what are you you know? What are you going to do? I mean, it's uh, after all, you, preconceived spontaneity is the order of the day. Preconceived spontaneity. I mean, you can't you can't rely on old fashioned spontaneity. Oh no no. And that's what you've been doing in your life all these times. For example, you. Uh, uh, many people. Now let's take a, a woman here. She's been relying on on, uh, on on what they call the random factor in existence. You wouldn't you wouldn't buy this, would you, Lyle Van? You like to have everything put down clean and neat, right? Well, all right. Now now let's take how it works in real life. Now here's here's a woman probably listening to me right now. She's planning Sunday dinner. See, all the relatives are coming over, right? Well, she she goes out, you know, and she buys the rubber chicken and all the rest of the stuff, see, and she's got the uh, tomato sauce and all the jazz, and she works on this meal, like, for four hours, she serves it, and what happens? She expects somebody to say it was great. Why? This is an ungrateful bunch of clods. Why? They're all sitting around talking about, name it, the hell with a rubber chicken. She's worked all her life. Hey, Charlie, you hear about, name it, blah, 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 blah. And they're scoffing the stuff away. Nobody says a word. And why? Because she relied on random applause. I will say that everybody today is going to start engineering their life, and she will have a clack in that crowd. She will pay some guy a dollar and a half or say, you know, arrange for him Right in the middle of a lull of a conversation, he's going to say, Emily, I can't stand it. This chicken is so unbelievable. that." Oh, oh, oh. Of course, he'll, he'll be speechless. And for five minutes, then they'll have to talk about the chicken. Engineer your life, friends. Do not allow these things to chance. Many people are bucked because chance enters their life too much. And I want to tell you this. No comic that appears on the Johnny Carson show does not appear without at least 45 of his friends sitting in the audience. Every time he opens his trap, you hear this, (laughs) and you're wondering why the hell you're not laughing at the gag, because everybody else is laughing, are they? Oh no, oh no, it's big Joey Joey's mob. It's Morty Morty's clack that have arrived. Speaking of clacks, this is W-O-R, New York, and I want to hear nothing but cheers, cheers, well, you don't think that I would, for one minute. This is New York. This is the Big Apple, friends. This is it. This is This is where it's all happening. You don't think for one minute that, say, uh, when Mayor Lindsay is uh, uh, looking around the audience, you know, when he's having a press conference, and there's a uh, forty-five guys with their hands up, you know, all these reporters. You think he's going to call on that little short, fat guy there with the with the glasses that are held together with the tape, the one that looks mad? Oh no. It's all properly arranged. Each guy that he calls on, he's already got a well-conceived answer to what the guy's going to ask because the guy's been already told what he should ask, you know? So he says, Mr. Mayor, is it true that uh, your superior morality and the fact that you've got Gloria Steinem behind you will carry you to the presidency? Well, I'm uh, glad you asked that, Gabe. Uh, That's uh, precisely what was on my mind. In fact, Gloria and I had a long talk the other afternoon. We called Bill Abzug on the phone. that's what makes why most people walk through life and they seem well now let's take your miserable existence right now. now right this minute now this is no implied criticism it's just a gotta deal with the thing the way it is you know for change now let's just take your life you walk around unconsciously you compare your life to what you see on television you do you don't do it consciously you do it unconsciously have you ever noticed how, how inadequate you feel when you watch the talk shows? These guys have got unbelievably clever bon mots, right? Unbelievably, well, that's, uh, I mean, after all, this has hurt largely in Jersey. You've got to keep it, the, uh, unbelievably clever bon mots. And so, uh, when Johnny Carson looks over and says, uh, Say, uh, uh, I understand uh, that you've been in the Led Zeppelin business lately. Morty. Hey, you think that's just casual conversation? Of course not. That's been engineered. For a good two hours before this guy appears on the Johnny Carson show, there has been a long discussion with at least 18 different writers on how Johnny is going to casually bring up his famous Led Zeppelin gag. At which point, it'll sound like it's just been... Well, oh, yeah, Johnny! Was that a Led Zeppelin or What Was that your wife? Oh, no, i you're getting the voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, it well,
0: is. Uh, see, see? It's all, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, organized. And the, trope, the difference between your life and, and uh, you know, the people that are walking around out there in the big time is that their life is totally organized. I mean, they do not let anything go to chance. Nothing at all. Oh no, I mean nothing. Absolutely nothing. Now I'll give you an example. You want to hear more examples of this? You do. Well, <laughs> hi, George. <laughs> I hate to disillusion you, but uh... <laughs> well, uh, now, now here for example, you go you go to one of these uh, you go to one of these acting groups. Now I've been involved in a lot of these things. You know you these acting groups where they improvisational. Acting bit. You know, you've seen this? And how unbelievably clever. Some guy in the audience will holler, you know, and say, No, ladies and gentlemen, the improvisational Ace Stella Dallas acting group, would like to now ask any of you out there in the audience, do you have anything that we'd like to, uh, that you'd like us to perform? And everybody sits there, you know, being a typical audience, you sit there with your jaw hanging slack, and all you can think of is when the hell they're going to have the halftime intermission so you can run across the street and get a bourbon and say, and uh, all of a sudden, this lady in the back of you says, Yes, uh, would you please do a, uh, sketch on the gas station attendance, please? And the guy says, Oh, yes, of course. Uh, now, let's pretend now that we are in an Esso station on Route 22. Five minutes later, they've done this unbelievable drama that makes Tennessee Williams look like your high school play. And you are sitting there and says, Oh, boy, are these guys Clever. Unbelievably clever! Holy smokes, you were taken in again.
1: <laughs> Come
0: back next night, and you will find the lady will say, "Would you please do uh, a, a little drama on uh, gas station attendance, please?" Yes, indeed. See, uh, nothing is uh, nothing is allowed to you know to chance, it. and that's the trouble with your life. You've you've uh, made it that way. Now, I'll give you an example of. Uh, uh, I, I, I really, I, I suppose I shouldn't tell you this, but I'm going to. Let's face it, sports is showbiz, right? Yeah, I mean, let's face it, it's big business today. Okay? Well, now, when you've got a big quarterback that's the famous pass thrower of all time. And you're playing, let's say, the uh, Hattiesburg-Mississippi Donkeys tomorrow night, you know? Some big team, see? Well, what would that look like if the Hattiesburg-Mississippi Donkeys defense slaughtered his son of a gun and he completed one out of 342 tries? And that one was a two-yard loss. Ain't gonna happen. So they get together, and the five minutes later... You know, have you noticed how, how, how dramatically the bomb works the last second? When the quarterback, there he goes, he's back in the pocket. There's a long pass. It's going down to the 20, the 15, the 10. Archie, that's why the leap.
1: What a catch.
0: So, you see, you can't allow anything to... to, uh, Now, here, let's take another example. Now, uh, let's just take uh, an example of... uh, In your office, now. I mean, you walk around, see? Have you noticed some guys are cleverer than other guys? Have you thought that this was a plot against you? Well, you're right. (laughs) You're very right. Have you ever heard of the old whipsaw technique? You know what the whipsaw technique is? Two guys work in tandem to get rid of Charlie Bullard. Now, how they do that, see, is uh, uh, you're having the sales meeting. See, it's Monday. And uh, C.G. Watanabe, the head man, says, uh, All right, uh, the uh, meeting is open. Has anyone here got any new ideas on Operation Dynamo? We're going to really slaughter WMCA. We're going to put it over the top. Operation Dynamo. Anybody got any ideas? Uh, Marty, do you have any ideas? Of course, it's ridiculous ask Marty if you have any ideas. Forget it. Marty, do you have any ideas? And uh, he doesn't say anything. Then he turns to Charlie, see, who's the rising young star. You, see, you think you're really making it, see. Uh, Bullard, uh, Charlie, how about you? You look like you're about to say something. And you jump up, see. you say, Well, yes, sir. I have an idea. Now, radio uh, radio's always looking for great new ideas, right? Right, right. Anybody argue? Right, right. This is, right away, this is a false premise. Radio is not looking for new ideas. But you gotta keep saying that. Uh, radio's looking for new ideas, right? And th- with that, everybody nods. He says, I'll tell you, I've got an idea. You know that time from, uh, from, uh, 7 to 10 that we have not been able to give away? I'll tell you Why? We don't have on that time what the people really want. Now I was sitting in my bathtub the other day, and uh, all of a sudden it hit me. Eureka! I said, "What is it that everybody I know likes? Banjos." Why don't we have three hours of great classic banjo playing between the hours of seven and ten? I just tell you, everybody. Like- all right, now here goes the whipsaw technique. Now two guys are working in tandem, see, and they're 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 concentrating and cutting down Charlie Bullet. With that, just as he comes out with his idea, no matter what the idea is, his idea might be to have uh, Fred Applerot walk on water. I mean, it would be a great publicity stunt. And so uh, the minute his idea comes out, one of the guys starts to snicker. With that, he turns to the guy that's snickering, says, what's so funny? He says, oh, nothing, nothing. The one on the other end of the table... Raises his hand and says, well, I can understand why uh, Al here thinks that uh, Charlie's idea is funny. It's, uh, he's got a great sense of humor, Charlie. You know, that thing with the banjo. The next thing you know, you're shot down. And two guys have whipsawed you who look like they're totally at odds. It's all a plot. Now, uh, what you've got to do is start organizing things. Now, how many times have you told a joke and you got nothing but booze? people booed. I mean, you thought it was a great joke. He says, uh, hey, did you hear this one about the guy with a cellophane bag and the seven chipmunks, huh? And somebody says, oh, if I cry, not that one. You're dead already. They, uh, you, you know, so you sit back there, and now you're in, see, you're in McDonald's, you know, this, in the parking lot. and you're trying to make a little, you know, try just once. You're trying to be, you know, big deals, like, and everybody up through there, all laughing it up and yelling and hollering, and then you, you see your opportunity again. See, they're, they're bringing the tray now, and uh, you, there's a momentary silence while all the slobs are diving for the pick really, see? So you say, hey, I got, I got a great one. Listen, do any of you guys know what a Polish sport coat is? Instantly, the, the guy at the steering wheel says, oh, for crap. not that one. Oh, no. Do you really think they've heard all those jokes? Of course not. There's a plot afoot. On the other hand, have you noticed when Louie, big fat Louie, tells a joke, six guys instantly laugh, fall out of the car, hit their head on the concrete, they're laughing so hard, and it's a weak little nothing joke. You don't think this is a coincidence, do you? Do you? What about that lady the other day? I mean, there's a plot against, did you hear about the lady in Philadelphia? We've got to give her a salute, quick. We're going to salute that.
1: Did you hear that lady?
0: Lady, living in Philadelphia. We salute her. Her name is Rosie. In the middle of a quiet evening when 722,000 of her fellow Philadelphians were all squatting around, sitting happily watching the television set, (laughs) as they so often do in Philadelphia, Suddenly there was a roar of rage, there was a crash, and everybody in the neighborhood heard it. Her television set flew right out through her glass door and crashed on the sidewalk in front of her house. She just picked the damn thing up and threw it out. Right in the middle of laughing. How one american can you get? When she was questioned later, she refused to say what made her mad watching television to tell me, honey, I've watched it. But you're the one that did something about it. You, Rosie, dared the approbation of your neighbors. Everybody in the neighborhood now thinks you're some kind of a nut. When it's actually the opposite. (laughs) They sit there with their slack jaws and their glazed eyes. Year after year after year they are watching the 12,923rd rerun of the Lucy Show. Now get it, now, gang. Let's sing it up. Let's sing it for Rosie. Yes, sir, that's Rosie. Yeah, got my blow that thing, Rosie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, baby. Yeah, yeah, You're singing it, baby.
1: Come on. All we get it now. Here we go. Over the cliff. Bump, bump, Oh, 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 oh.
0: through the studio Trailing smoke <laughs> Well, no, no I just I just, uh, I just uh, you know Mentioning that There's, there's a lot to, to life And, uh, you know That the, that the, we don't necessarily uh, Want to concede A lot to life Now, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah I mean, you can't You can't deny that uh, That organization Is the key to success It is and you've been waiting for somebody to call you on the phone. I mean, you know, I, I, I think everybody secretly has this feeling. Any minute, it's an exciting moment when the phone rings in your house, right? Well, come on, think about it. Don't just stand there like a like a Philadelphia TV viewer with your you know with your eyeballs hanging out and your your, your fly open. Come on, sit up straight. Come on, that's better. You're a human beer bottle. Come on now. Blow the foam off your mind, will you? Okay. (laughs) You liked that, didn't you? (laughs) Has your mind got a head on it? (laughs) Or is it as flat as last week's Pabst? (laughs) Have Have you ever met people who are so chintzy that when they drink three quarters of a beer bottle, they put the rest back in the refrigerator? You open up the refrigerator and there's about two inches of, of flat beer that was half drunk, you know, like three weeks ago. And there it is. It's got green fur on the top of it. <laughs> there's some things you just don't talk about. <laughs> but never, nevertheless, though, uh, I, I just uh, I just say that uh, that one of the great secret uh, desires that all of us have. This it's been a, a terrible show, hasn't it? I mean, you know, it's it's the middle of the summer. I, I, I guess it's it's the heat and all that. Right? You know, it's it's August and all. Would you please give me my my summertime music, please? Right, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the nutty season again, friends. We're right in the middle of it. Summertime, oh yeah. winter the Mets are really flailing around. When the bottom has dropped out of good old Jones Beach. And the crud is floating down the Gowanus Canal. When the East River starts smelling of a storm, and the bottom river is even worse. Went over there in the Hudson, there's nothing but beer cans floating by, and a lot of things I can't even sing about. Yeah, in the good old summer time, in the good old summer time, when everybody and his brother-in-law is running for president, when Mayor Lindsay's running out there like a the storm man. In the good old summertime, hooray for Gloria! In the good old summertime, yeah, oh, Betty Fried will save us all in the end. In the good old, good old, good old summertime. <laughs> From here all the way to the Hempsteads in the good old summertime. You to me. I heard that they drug the water supply. This is nothing. A little hard work and a good bath wouldn't
1: cure it all then.
0: In a cool, summertime... We just need to work on a good case of heat rash. Sitting there, sitting there waiting for the happen. When the phone, the phone never rings, and then when it does, there's some guy trying to say a storm doors. It's, <laughs> it's good old summer, summer summertime. You're gonna get the brass ring of the Palisades Amusement Park. Hang on,
1: let's go. Here we go. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sorry.
0: cleared up the the thing there. Yes, sir. Uh, Just a minute there. Hold on a minute there. I can't believe that, no. No, 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 no. I can't believe that. Oh, no. No, no, gee. For those of you that are sport fans tonight, I'd like you to bow your head for a moment. Just for a moment. I mean, this is a special male thing. How many of you guys, you know, one time or another played sports... Even backyard sports, you know. You know the thrill of winning. And that and the uh, drama of human defeat. That's right. Well, I'd like you to bow your head for a moment. I'd like to salute somebody, please. Would you please there? I mean, there are times when you lose. There are times, friends, when you lose. So if you think the Mets have got it bad, "Listen to this." listeners? Like tonight, our vast public service sports-minded departments... Here at this concerned radio station, bring you tonight's Turkey of the Week. <laughs> a sports hero. Good afternoon, sport fans. Good afternoon, sport fans. This is Spike McBullet, your sports announcer tonight. Saluting a victor and a defeat. And tonight we'd like to salute in Monde de Down in South America, lopsided. Scores in sports competition... By the way, you, you ought to hear me do my Howie Cosell. Big old number 13, Ralph Branca. <laughs> Howard Cosell is the uh, is the Lawrence Welk of sports. Yes, he, he really is. And there's always a market for that. There's always a market for hair oil. Lopsided scores in sports competition are nothing unusual. Now listen to this. Buy your heads, friends except when a basketball team gets skunked by 116 to zero. I repeat, 116 to zero. Now, you never heard of a basketball team getting shut out, have you? Can you imagine what a hellish night that must have been? The club, Bohemios... Did exactly that to the Union team in Montevideo, a game which was played Monday night before 7,000 cheering fans. Can you imagine going home after that ball game? Can you imagine the dressing room of the Union team? 116 to 0. And so tonight, we salute the feast. <laughs> The human drama of defeat, the thrill of victory, produced by Rune Eilish. By the way, that would have been one hell of a show for, for, uh, for, <laughs> for, for you know, for, for the American sportsman or whatever that show is. <laughs> Basketball team, 116 to nothing. Well, you know, sometimes things get out of control when you're in a, when you're playing a game. And that, yeah, a lot of games that happens, but oh, I remember one time, I'll tell you, uh, it's, it's a terrible thing. Now, you know, when you played any kind of professional sports, that's very different from amateur sports, in that a guy's career is on the line, you know, <laughs> many times. Well, I remember one time playing in this, this this minor league ball game. You ready for this one, Herb? And, and we had a guy that was a pretty good pitcher, a left hander. And we were playing against a bunch of Patsies in this town in Iowa. A, you know, a club that we always won, beating, you know, constantly. And there was a big crowd out that night, including the pitcher's nephews, his uncles, all of his friends. The big, you yeah, this is what happens in the minors. The only people who really come to the minor league ballgames. Our relatives, friends, and guys who are watching to see how you're going to do when you come up to the big club, if and when. That's about it, see. And it was a big, exciting night because they had a contest on. And one of the, the, one of the prizes, I remember, was a chicken dinner down at Red's Diner. <laughs> you got a chicken dinner for the first guy to hit a home run. Well, now, you see, motivation, <laughs> motivation provides a terrible, terrible drive. And so we were, we, were, we were out in the field ready for the first moment of the game. Now, when you, watch, when you watch the Mets or you watch the Yankees or any, any you know, professional ball club, how do you think they feel you know, when they go out there and they're ready for the game to begin, that moment? Well, there's a, there's a lot of mixture feelings. Uh, one of the mixtures is like going to work. You know, you're really going to work. But the, can you imagine what it would be like if you did your job in front of, uh, like, uh, 700 critics? And, and it was clearly defined when you flubbed. Clearly, I mean, there's no way you can pretend, you know, when you get hit on the head with a fly ball when you're playing center field that somebody pushed you, you know. <laughs> well, that's what you wanted to do all along, you know, that kind of stuff that kids do. So, anyway, we walk out. We're already saying crowd noise, and the pitcher's out on the mound, saying, Big left-hander. And I, I, I am playing third base, which was close enough to the wreckage later on to have a sense of involvement and also a sense of real disaster. You know, it's one thing watching a war for 5,000 miles away, and another thing being in a hole with a tin hat on your head, and the stuff keeps whistling over, see? So I, I, I'm down there at third base, and this, this guy, I always remember this, whenever I think of, of terrible, disastrous nights in sports, the pitcher wound up, and now the leadoff hitter looked a little bit like uh, Bobby Richardson, you know, a little tiny guy, he looked like a, uh, kind of like a skinny, if you can imagine a skinny Horace Clark. Little leadoff man, see, so he digs in at the plate, and this big left-hander, and by the way, he was a left-handed hitter. That's what threw us. This big left-hander, see, he's he left-handers. He eats for breakfast. See, he winds up, throws his first pitch in there, and our catcher is squatting down there, yelling up, and already you know the infielders begin to pick up. Come on, boy, come on, why? play it in there. Yellow. He throws the first pitch, and that little left-handed leadoff hitter swung. It was a level swing. And the instant he swung, there's something you know. It's in the air. The instant he swung, I knew it. It just went, just like that, whap. And you could see that ball climbing out over, over. first, it, it, it looked like it was going to go foul, but it climbed out over the right fielder's head, turning left, heading towards center field when it disappeared over the chicken wire fence 420 feet away. First pitch, there goes the chicken dinner. Well, obviously, this this uh, little leadoff man needed that chicken dinner. The next guy, the left-hander wound up, and he, he you know, he's good. There's a, there's an old, you know, there's an old saying that when, right after a home run, the guy after that gets it in the ear, right? Well, our left-handed pitcher wound up, and he threw this one right in this guy's ear. Except for one thing, it, it started out good. Except it turns out that this number two hitter was the best Bad ball hitter in the entire 3-I league. He caught that son of a gun going away. He was ducking when he went. He went down, and he's ducking. He caught it on the fat side. I saw it go over my head and rising. just went. This one went over the left field wall, 410 feet from the plate. By the middle of the second inning, the score is 24 to 2. the middle of the second inning we put every pitcher that we had in the game we were working around the other end again starting the guy that originally started is going we used eight pitchers and still nothing could happen we used every reliever we had an outfielder pitching and I remember a conference around the mound when our ninth pitcher is out there sweating they've gotten three successive doubles off of him I mean, line drive doubles off the wall, and his face is staring. The sweat's pouring down. His eyes are hanging out there. See, and I walk over, and the first baseman comes trotting over. The manager comes out of the dugout. Now you've seen these little things around the mound, and the catcher comes trotting up. See, and he says, well, "Come on, we'll play it. You, take it you see, out of reflex, he was always—he's still saying the right stuff. Like, uh, you know, "Come on, make him hit. Make him come to you, baby. Come on, make him come to you, baby. You got a lot of guys out there now. Let him hit it. Now, you make him come to you, boy." The manager just stands out and he says, Shut up, will you, Smokey? says to the catcher, Shut up a minute, will you? He says, What are we going to do? We were 24 runs behind. He says, If this ever gets back to the home club, you know that none of us are going to have a job. What are you going to do? He says, Can somebody here get hurt? Then they'll call the game. They'll take you into the hospital home, but he says, no takers. He says, well, let's just pray. And he walked and sat down on the bench. The game that night wound up 37 to 9. A regular 9 inning game, except that it went for 12 hours. Oh, the human misery of defeat. We never quite recovered from that one. I sometimes, late at night, hear balls going past my head. Yeah, you bet, friends. This is WOR New York. Stay tuned for the news. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make
1: the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership.